Hello and welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast. My name is Lincoln Shrike. He is Gordon Mack. It is Wednesday, September 9th. We had some track and field action. A lot of big names competing yesterday in Ostrava. We will break down that meet in its entirety today. But first, Gordon, how are you today? You know, you ask me how I'm doing every day, and I appreciate it. I'm doing all right. You know? It's September 9th, man. I mean, yesterday I was upset because... The Phillies had an opportunity to sweep the Boston Red Sox in a doubleheader, but they split the doubleheader. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The Phillies are looking good. Here's the thing, Lincoln. I have a feeling that the Phillies are going to eventually pass the Braves, and I think the Cubs are going to win the NL Central. Yeah. I think the Phillies and the Cubs are going to end up facing each other in the NLDS. It, I believe last update I saw was, you know, if the season would have ended either yesterday or, you know, maybe today, they would be matched up in the this new version of the playoffs where eight teams make it. So that could be interesting for, for our friendship. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, baseball's... I think- Baseball's been weird this year. When you play those doubleheaders, they only play seven innings, and they're they're really quick games. Yeah, I think the Cubs are going to be the third seed. I think Phillies will be the second seed, and I no. think they'll both win the first yeah. round, and then they'll face each other. They'll be on the the non Dodgers side, which is great, so they don't have to face the Dodgers until the end. So the winner mm-hmm. between Cubs well, and Phillies. Well, that's assuming. Yeah. Um, well, they have to. The, the Phillies then have to pass the Braves to avoid. Because as of now, the Cubs are the number two, although it's tenuous. And the Phillies, I think, since they're in second, would be the seventh seed. So they'd face each other in the first round. But, it, you know, things will change between now and and the end. So we could be getting a, a Cubs-Phillies matchup first time uh, since I've known you that we would have such a thing. It could be ugly. Could. I remember, like... Uh... Watching go like we were at Nuttycomb Invitational and watching you watch like mm-hmm. the Cubs in the playoffs. Was it the year they won? Was it the year they won? No, this was this was twenty seventeen, but it was game five of the NLDS against the Nationals and that was a crazy back and forth game. Yeah, we were at like dinner with a bunch of coaches and stuff and I could not concentrate on anything besides the game. So that's kind of the mindset I get into when it comes to baseball. And even in a weird year like this, I'm still wholly committed. So that is uh, that's where I'll be if if the if the Cubs and Phillies are in the, the postseason. I mean, I'll, doesn't matter who the Cubs are playing, but but yeah, I, I don't. I'm not going to be there to to, to uh, or I'm not going to be willing to just take your crap. You know, I take this stuff seriously. Yeah, Phillies are a game and a half out of first in the okay. in the East, so they have the same number of losses. So if they do mm. well. If they win the East, they'll be the second or third seed, and if the Cubs win the Central, be they'll be the second or third seed. So therefore, yeah. they'll face each other in the second round if they get through. We okay, are, we, we I, we're not, we're not a basketball to. podcast anymore. We're a baseball podcast. I decided. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, fully transitioning, and then and then we got you know, and then we got football coming up in in a few days. So it's. At least other sports are are really taken off as we have no essentially no cross country this year. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for the sports ahead. So, I guess we'll start with this. What was like your highlight of the Ostrava meet or su- biggest surprise? Maybe 
What was your biggest surprise? The biggest surprise, I think, was overall the times weren't good. I mean, I think Carson Warholm's reaction to his 47, let's see, what was it, 47.62, yeah, in the in the 400-meter hurdles where he kind of threw his arms up or had that, like, what, look at the clock. Uh, that was kind of my reaction to the whole meet. Uh, you know, it was a lot of big names. and Not everybody can PR every single time. But I certainly expected more out of a meet, which you've got Warholm, You've got Krauser, Safanasan, Faith Kipyegon, uh, Inga Britson. I mean, you name it, they were kind of there, and the sprinters weren't really showing up, but that wasn't really what the meet was set up for. I don't know. I Yeah, the men's 5,000 was good, but at the same time, a year when you've been spoiled with, an, uh, with a world record, 1235, 1248 or whatever it was, isn't nearly as impressive. I just thought the meet was kind of a, was kind of a dud relative to the hype it had around it. Um I don't know what your thoughts are, if you kind of felt the same, but I think Warholm's 47.62 was, was a mystifyingly slow time compared to what he'd been running. Kind of set the tone for the for the whole event. I don't know if the... I mean, the conditions seemed good, maybe not great, but nobody ran as fast as I thought they would. You seem like a... I mean, if none of the hype was around it, would you have been more... Would you have enjoyed the meet better? Um, well, I don't know how you don't, how you separate the meat from the hype. I, I, well, I mean, let's look at Warholm's performance. The only thing that's coming out of him, his four meter hurdles right now is time because he's not facing any good competition. Um, the, I mean, the women's 15 was good. I guess Kip Yegon ran 359 and closed well. And then the men's 5,000 was probably the best race as you had Kip Limo and Borrega going head to head and they, you know, it was a sprint finish. So it was fine but you know i expected ryan krauser after throwing 22-7 a couple days ago to throw further than the 22-4 or whatever he won with i don't know i just thought it 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 was a little bit of a disappointment of a meet i'm surprised you don't are you not sharing in that sentiment uh i'm not i didn't put the expectations that you put on it like Mm. i was never thinking i was about to watch a historic day i don't know i think Mm. everyone else was just like in the mood to just think that world records grow on trees because we've seen (laughs) a few in like weird events like the hour distance and i mean a 5k is not a weird event but uh we just are getting a little spoiled with thinking that world records yeah there's four people going for it so we're gonna go we're gonna go four for four and i just never thought that was a thing um but yeah guess how many times uh ryan krauser has thrown over 22 meters this year is it like 22? I mean, it's been a lot. 27 times. 27, yeah. Um, he's competed he's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. He's had 8 competitions and 27 times he's thrown. So 8 times 6. What's 8 times 6? Uh, 48. So 27 of 48. That's not bad. It's pretty good batting average. 56% of the time he, he threw the shot this year. It yeah. went 22 meters. And no, now, am I correct? You, no one else has thrown over 22 meters? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the big guns, you know, Kovacs and Romani and uh, the New Zealander, Tom, whatever, Tom Walsh, haven't thrown, um, at least not consistently. But, man, he is just incredible. I mean, his bad throws win the meet, right? He'll have a bad one, and it's like, oh, no, I mean, that he's in first place now. 
and then he gets going and it's you know they're all sailing well over 22 meters and it gets to the point where when it's below 22.5 you're kind of like oh what's what's going on and then you realize oh wow 22.5 is really good <laughs> and so no one else is coming close to that he's just on a on a, a different level to the extent that we haven't seen uh in in the shot put in some of that and a lot of that is to do to do with how how good he's been but also you know Kovacs isn't there Romani and and Walsh or whatever uh so there is some caveats but he is on a run like we haven't seen in the shot put for for per, I mean perhaps forever the, the consistency is the thing to really leave you awestruck yeah I mean and if you only look at outdoors, he's thrown 22 meters 64% of the time. Mm. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's just like, it's insane. Uh, no, that that is that is just mind-boggling. You really can't get your head around it. It's a cowboy hat. It's got to be. It's cowboy hat. Yeah, God. He's, is he? He's not from, I guess, Texas is, is college. So I guess that's the reason for the cowboy hat. But he's he's from Oregon, right? Yeah, I don't know if it's like the, uh, the the farmland of Oregon or if he just kind of embraced the full Texas thing. He always has seemed like a Texan to me. He's really had that that aura. But yeah, you you recall he's kind of you know he's from the Pacific Northwest. Doesn't seem like a Pacific Northwest type of a guy, but maybe the combination of you know the the, the he's got the longer hair. He, you know, he's had longer hair, but he's got the kind of shaggy hair. Maybe that's specific Northwest vibe combined with the Texas toughness. It's, it makes for a very good shot putter. Um, so he's 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 just clicking on on all cylinders right now. So Warholm doesn't get the world record. He runs much slower than the world record. Uh, yes, he makes forty seven sixty two look like uh, me running. A fifty second four hundred, like it's just like he's turned like great times into like what appears to be a dud, even though it's not a dud. But he finds a way to turn phenomenal marks into duds. Well, I will say he his timing seemed to get off. They they slow mode like him over one of the final hurdles. Maybe it was the final hurdle, and he had to stutter pretty significantly. So I assume that was the major contributing factor. I don't know you know where his steps got off if he truly you know his like if his 12 and 13s were mixed up at some point i don't know the exact cause but he uh he really had to slow down before one of the final hurdles and that that had to be the the thing that cost him i mean when you eventually that's seemingly going to happen when you are getting out as aggressively as he is and you're also allowed to have a bad day and when 47 6 is your bad day um that's not that's that's pretty good that's pretty good um so i you know he'll have more cracks at this at this record obviously this year and 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 beyond samba warholm and benjamin they're all 25 and under benjamin's 23 warholm's 24 samba's 25 i know you guys did a pod a few weeks ago or a month ago about the likelihood of a world record happening. Um, right. I know we all got excited when all three of them were in the Doha final, and especially Samba being on his home track. You're thinking, hey, we're going to see something special, and we didn't get yeah. that world record mark. I mean, Warholm's going for it right now, and he's not getting it. So what do you, what do you think it's going to take for the Kevin Young's world record of – what's the world record? 
46 what is it 78 4678 right. to go down oh i mean it's just going to uh, you know i've said it it's just going to take the perfect race from warholm and he's getting awfully close to perfection so i, I don't think it's going to take the comp, i don't think it's going to take competition i think it's just going to take good conditions and him having a good day i mean he almost broke it in stockholm all by himself and just reading through the 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 kind of the gamer from world athletics uh it he did warholm did indicate he had to switch lead legs because of a stutter step um and he kind of blamed that as for breaking his rhythm and and affecting his time uh what do i think is sure i mean I, i i think that you know it's a possibility it survives i suppose until like the olympic final and um that's when he breaks it because he has all the 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 things going for him there he finally has you know he has some competition but then he also has the stage and he really rises to the occasion uh war home that is but i he's so good and so consistent this was such a an off day for him that i think we're going to the the forty seven eighty seven's not going to be the exception. I think that's more closer to the rule that that is his typical performance is going to be the sub forty seven, and eventually just he's going to get it completely right and break that world record. We know that the world record's on borrowed time, and and I, you know, it's not a guarantee it happens in twenty twenty, but I, I I think it's it, it don't I don't think people should look at how far he was off yesterday and, and think, Oh, he's now he's missed his chance. He's on the downslope of the season. Not, not at all. I think his timing got switched up and it was just a really bad day or really off day for him. And it's going to take him. I mean, let's, let's not forget. I mean, he clipped the hurdle and I know a lot of people are saying, Oh, well, Kevin Young clipped the hurdle as well, but Warholm clipped the hurdle in Stockholm, the final hurdle. And, and maybe if he doesn't that do that, he already has, has the record. So he gets his steps right. We know that the foreign hurdles is a, is a very technical race, and he's there. Um, I don't. It, we know it doesn't take the competition because he did it in Stockholm without the competition. So it's just going to take him being technically sound, and he'll do that. He'll figure that part out again, and and then having the right conditions. And I think he I think he breaks it. Uh, you, you know, the conditions were fair yesterday. But he wasn't technically sound, and so that's what caused the result you saw yesterday. Get both things going correctly, and and he's he's going to have this mark. Moving on to a different event, the uh, men's eight hundred had fifteen people on the start line. Yeah, that's too many. That's wait, that's too many. <laughs> how much? How much? How many? Too many? Double too many? I mean, seven. That's seven too many. An eight hundred should be. I mean, an 800 should be 10 or less, to be to be honest. I mean, I, I'll accept 10 because yours is going to be pacemakers. But come on, 15? That's just, that's dumb. Have two heats or something. <laughs> don't Why you do you think? I mean, don't you think that's way too many? <clears throat> they just didn't want to say no to anyone? It seems like it. I mean, was there anyone in the race that you felt like, I mean, they all kind of showed they kind of deserved to be in the race? I mean, mm. Adam Schott, who's like probably you would think on paper would be the favorite, if not, well, not he, he, I guess not, not anymore, year. not this yeah, year, not but this like year. he's uh, he's he's proven himself at the international yeah, yeah. level. He he gets thirteenth out of fifteen, yeah. uh, runs one forty seven. Whiteman finally breaks one forty five, runs one forty four. Uh, but yeah, I mean. 
It was weird. 15 people in a race. It's good old high school days, right? It's like a dual meet high school. I mean, 15 people and yeah, I mean, I, it, it's, and that none of, I guess none of these were pacemakers, right? Uh, that's, that's nuts to me. I, 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 I need like a, uh, an oral history of this, how this all came together and what everyone's reaction was when they found out there was going to be 15 people. This is nuts. And the fact that four guys broke 145 is a, is a minor miracle considering how much traffic had to have been going on here. Uh, but yeah, Whiteman, I mean, that's a good time. 144.18 for him. Somebody who can, you know, switch back and forth between that and the, and the 1500. That's, that's really nice. I think the Swede Kramer finally broke 145. He got second 144.47. Obviously, everything's a caveat when you don't have Donovan Brazier because 144.18, he literally could do that running backwards. Maybe not literally, but, uh, you know, he's an 800 without Brazier and without Bryce Hopple right now definitely comes with an asterisk but i mean this was good performances by the by the guys up top by the by the brit whiteman i mean 144 18 maybe maybe he considers the 800 going forward as opposed to as opposed to the 15 do you think what do you think donovan would have done in this race with 15 people like do you think brazier would have survived the i think he would have done what bodies? he's been doing he i mean he's run in some congested races this this year and i think he would have you know been mid-pack and then crushed everybody in the final hundred i mean it was a mad dash you know whiteman had to come from behind to, and and close and swing out it was crazy people run out in like lane five he would have dusted everybody i mean he has the best final hundred in the world in the 800 it's not it's not particularly close so he would have crushed everyone probably run 143 mid and made this field kind of kind of look like a like a joke so um yeah but for whiteman i mean Dang, dang, he's had a pretty solid outdoor season, um, at least as far as the PRs are concerned. He, he goes to 144. Uh, he and Just to correct the record, he had broken 145 before in 2018. Uh, 144.61 was his best, but he gets down to 144.1, and he couples that with his 329 from, from Monaco. It's been a really good outdoor season uh, for him. So he's... He's coming on. He's he's a guy that you forget about, but he was fifth at the at the World Championships and in the fifteen. And uh, I want to say, God, did he win? Yeah, I mean, he's won Fifth Avenue before. He's just he's just like a sleeper of a dude that we kind of forget about. You think of Brits in the in the fifteen hundred, and you think of Chris O'Hare, and you think of obviously Josh Kerr. But uh, can't forget about Whiteman. He was the best among them last year over the World Championships, and the guy has some has some pretty solid range. Other events: Safana San closes in sub sixty to win a five k. Faith yeah. Kipyegon wins the fifteen hundred, uh, runs three fifty nine. Who mm. wins, Hassan or Kipyegon? In what a fifteen hundred right now? Yeah. Well, or not right now. Time. Maybe next year in a fifteen hundred. Okay, I mean, last year we saw this, and Hassan crushed her at the World Championships. Maybe Saman Hassan's not on that fifteen hundred level right now. Um, but just to just to put a bow on her performance really quickly before we talk about Kip Yang on and Hassan, Hassan 
surely was tired from on Friday running an hour world record. And to come back on Tuesday and run a 5,000, it wasn't a fantastic field by any means. But she did what she needed to win, still ran 1437. So I, I thought that was pretty good when you factor in surely she was running on tired legs. Uh, Kip Yegon's been fantastic this season. But I think Hassan, when she gets to that level that we saw in 2019, is pretty close to untouchable. And so I'm still going to be picking Safan Hassan. Just yeah, will there come a day where she won't be able to run the 1,500 and 10,000 at an elite level? Sure, but th- these eras are crossing over. And what I saw in Doha was special enough for me to think that somebody even on the level of Kip Yegon can't touch that, an Olympic and world champion. Uh, Hassan's, Hassan's got the higher ceiling, and if she's running the 1,500, she's still the favorite. What do you right. think? I mean, I've been impressed with what Kip Yegon's done, especially with her sure. her one Ks that she's been doing. Um, that has been she really wants that one K world record. Yeah, and you know, she's running some fast. Like she won. I mean, she beat Laura Muir in that one K, and Laura Muir's no joke. This is my question, though. I'm looking at it as like a Mount Rushmore of the women's fifteen hundred. You have Laura okay. Muir. Faith Kibiegon, Safana San, and Shelby Houlihan. I feel like that's the big four. No disrespect to anyone I didn't mention. Is anyone I, I that deserves to be in that four or no? Well, let's see. The bronze medalist from Doha, which would have been, uh, let's see, Gudolf Sege, who was in the 5,000 yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. She ran in the... In, in that 5,000. Had a little bit of a tougher time. Sege is the, the forgotten bronze medalist. Yeah, she was only fourth yesterday. In, in a distance, that's not her, her main thing. Uh, so you have to consider her probably above... I mean, you have to consider her above Houlihan at this point just because she's run faster and she's got a medal. And Houlihan do, does not. So, yeah, but like, and I, I don't know what what are you are you saying the current, like the current Mount Rushmore, like who's oh I'm saying who's the biggest no, force right now. I know you could say you, you don't have to consider Gudolf Teske just because she got third <sighs> last year doesn't mean these we are all, fighting words. These are fighting words, Gordon. I mean, Careful. this year, this year she's run three indoor meets or four indoor meets. No, three. She's won them, won them all. They're all one in like four okay. flat, four oh four, and then she just got fourth in the five k, in fourteen forty six in Estrava. That's, and that's Mount 10K. Rushmore material if I've ever heard it. Yeah, but look, what has Shelby Houlihan done? This <laughs> no, I know. So Shelby uh, Houlihan, yes, these are the women. She needs to be one of these women, right? In in uh, Tokyo, the, these Houlihan. are the these are her peers fighting for a medal, and you think, oh, surely. One of them is going to slip, and then she's going to have access to a medal. But I, you know, I don't know. Maybe that happens, and and maybe that doesn't. I, it's these the women who are who are currently above her are still running strong. I mean, if Hassan's in the fifteen hundred, and Kip Yegon's in the fifteen hundred as well, which she will be. I mean, that's two medals already. That you're basically Shelby Houlihan has access to one medal. Yeah, it's it's tough going. It, is, it makes me wonder, like what we've talked about earlier in the year, if she's going to consider the five thousand. Because 
avoiding, as Kevin likes to say, avoiding the Savannah San is a great rule for women's distance running. And you kind of look at what events she's going to pick. And even if she keeps her hand close to her chest and you don't really know, you need to kind of read the tea leaves and try to, to understand because it, it wipes out a medal. And with as good as Kip Yegon is going and, and the success she's had in, in uh, championships – you know that 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 one's gone too. So she's she's uh that Hulan has got to know in the fifteen hundred she's fighting for a bronze at best unless she takes another huge huge leap forward, which is possible I suppose. But uh, it's it's really really hard going. And Kip Yegon's had a had another solid year and another year you know after the birth of her child. And you think well she's definitely going to be on. I mean, she was great last year, don't get me wrong, but she's going to be, um, you know, on the level she was in 16 and 17. And then if if Hassan's in the event, we know she can run 351 in a final. So it's hard. It's hard. I don't think Shelby makes that 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 current, that active 1,500 women's Mount Rushmore right now. Don't start picking at the stone just yet because Sege's good and she's got a bronze and, and – uh, and you know, maybe you could put Houlihan ahead of Muir because she beat her last year. But Muir, I mean, to to uh, to segue, which sounds cool because it sounds a lot like Sege. Pretty awesome there. Laura Muir ran one fifty eight to follow up a three fifty eight uh, on on Sunday in in Warsaw. It's been a pretty good season for Laura Muir too. But we're also kind of used to Laura Muir running well in these these types of events we want her to figure it out not figure we want her but she needs to figure it out and on the championship level get her tactics right um so this is kind of more of the same of what you're used to seeing from laura muir in the 800 and the 1500 so 1500 is stacked right now um as it's been uh i would have loved to i know it's not possible just because i guess bowerman decided to do all their meets in-house but I, i would like to see I think it could be valuable, would have been valuable for Houlihan if it was possible to get in some of these races and kind of click off more reps against whether it be Safan Hassan or or um, or Kip Yegon. I think that could have been valuable. It's not, it wasn't in the cards this year, but it, it it would have been it would have been nice to see her face these women and, and get that experience. Yeah, I mean, I, going back to what I said, I think Muir. Kip Yegon, Hassan, and Houlihan is my my power four. That's what I'm calling it. Not Mount Rushmore because you don't want to use that anymore. My my uh, final four. I don't know the uh, sure the fantastic four, the uh, phenom fantastic four. four, female yeah. four, the female four. The uh, and I just think that yes, obviously Safan Hassan is better than everyone, but. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen in a race, especially a 1500 with tactics and someone tripping, losing anything can happen. And I think you say that like Shelby is racing for third on paper. Yes, she's racing for third, but in reality, she can win. I think like Jenny Simpson has won a, uh, won the, has won a 1500 at the international level. Like Matthew Centrowitz has won. They were never they did they went into that race not like I bet you on paper they were told, Oh, we're fighting for third and if we get lucky we can sneak out a medal. But then they went on to win it because of crazy things happen at in championship style races. So that's why I think she has a talent in that four and I think the three medals will come from those four people, I think. 
And I think if that's true, hey, it might turn gold. That's what yeah, yeah, yeah. But all we have is what we've seen. That's what you can go off of. Yeah, you can look at precedent where uh, wild things happen in those fifteen hundred finals, and that's that gives you confidence that that you know the the status quo will be broken up. But we, as of now, seen it in a seen that it was a not a tactical final and a complete you know time trial of a final last year in Doha. You expect kind of more of the same, and so we'll see. We, we shall see. Um, but I, I still would have loved to have seen, and, and I know it wasn't possible, was, would have loved to have seen Houlihan face some of these women this summer and, and fall, but I understand with the pandemic, it, it, can't, it can't happen. So we, we move on, and we move on to the, the men's 5,000 yesterday. Which well, wait, or before we get to the okay. 5,000, okay. Jacob, Jacob Ingebrigtsen won his race again. As a teenager, he's still a teenager. Stunner. Stunner. He has ten. He has ten more days of his teenage years. Oh wow! If, he turns twenty on September nineteenth. If you only had ten days left of your teens, what would you do in that final week? Like, what? What's the what's the bucket list you have to do before you turn twenty? <clears throat> well, um, <laughs> I don't know. I think when I was a about no no that was about to turn 19 um i mean he's 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 basically already had a full career as a as a distance runner before he's turned 20 so what should he do he keeps doing the same things i don't know maybe take his girlfriend out on a, on, on a nice date <laughs> I, I don't know what else there is to do for him um keep drinking the the age elixir that's making him be a superstar before he's 20. I mean, he's a, he should if all things go the way that we they tend to go with age and distance running. I mean, he should be entering his best years and he's already had two to three like elite years before 20 turning 20 years old. That, that, that's that's nuts to me. He's uh he's been unbelievable. And uh, so I don't know what he does. He's still going to be young. I mean, we won't always talk about him for how young he is. But he's, uh, even at 20, you know, it's crazy how how relatively inexperienced he is, but how much, how good he is compared to everyone, to, to, uh, to guys he's, you know, my point being like, he races Matthew, Matthew Centrowitz, the Olympic champion, and a guy who's got two other medals, two other outdoor medals. It's like, no, Ingerbritson's going to take it to him, and it's it's just like his. It, it's good for him to keep racing because he racks up this experience. But when he loses the factor of having the inexperience, and now he's experienced and he's still very very young, he's going to be like close to unbeatable. I know Chariot's still there, but it's um, it's great that he's racing as much as he is. One, just to see him in action, but but two, like he 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 figures all the. The tactical things out. He's going to be close to unstoppable, assuming Chariot, you know, gets over the hill. Chariot's uh, not as dominant. Like his his run of dominance ends before Ingebrigtsen start. Ingebrigtsen, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but Ingebrigtsen uh, really hits his stride. I imagine Chariot, being three years old, three three plus years older, will be over the hill before Ingebrigtsen is. So. It's uh, we've got a lot of Jakob Ingebrigtsen 
fast running to come. And so what what should he do? He should keep doing what he's been doing, whatever, whatever it's, it's working. Cause he's not turning 20 is not turning old. You know, you're not old. So he's got, he got years ahead of him. Wow. Lincoln, you turn that into a three minute soliloquy. Yeah. Of what this Sorry man should do. That. And, and, you, well, and, and your final thesis summation was just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to be like, Hey, go like skinny dipping or go like, uh, you know, that. go smoke a reefer or something. Do something that no, you know, probably I don't, don't know. do that. Probably don't do that. Well, I do. I do want to talk about another teenager because it's not just Jakob Ingebrigtsen who's a teenager. There's other teenagers in the world. I don't know if you've heard of that, heard of them, Gordon, or if you're familiar. But Jake, another another Jacob who's a who's a teenager too. Jacob Kiplimo of Uganda, famous for finishing second at last year's. Uh, cross-country world championships in Aarhus to his teammate Joshua Cheptegei. He gets a little overshadowed by the other Ugandan distance runner, Cheptegei. Uh, but Kiplimo wins the 5,000 ye- yesterday at the ripe age of 19. He's actually younger than Jakob Ingebrigtsen by a month and some change. Uh, he runs 12.48, a big, big personal best for him. Is Uganda about to take over the men's 5,000? Because we've got the world record holder. Now we've got Kip Limo, who just beat Borrega. Borrega, the silver medalist last year. Are we going to see a, a 1-2 at the world cha- or excuse me, at the Olympics in, in the 5,000 next summer? I mean, yes, we could. I think it's – think about this. Going even deeper, like where's the Kenyan 5K runners, right? No, they've been they've – been, irrelevant for many a year now it's but now the even more it's before it was like okay well it's just ethiopia's got it right it's the ethiopian game but now you throw in two more ugandans right still got yeah you still got chalimo in the u.s you still got mohamed in canada like Mm -hmm. there could be a situation where maybe a kenyan doesn't even make the final yeah, yeah. I mean, this has been a, the, the way it is. I mean, first off, we talked Ostrava yesterday. There were no Kenyans in the field, so they can't run well if they're not actually racing. That's a problem. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're on the roads, right? Or they're uh, I, I forget the the young dude. I got to be reminded of the the young dude who's uh, Ronix Kiprutu. He's in the ten thousand. Yeah, he will they're in the roads, or they're the doing roads. fifteen so and you're, eight. You're, yeah. yeah, you're. I mean, their best guys are currently. Uh, you know, you've got, uh, why can I not think of anybody's, you've got Cam Warwar, who's still can be good on the track, but he's moving to the marathon, uh, running the half as well. And then you've obviously got Ellie Kipchoge and you got other marathoners and they're, they're just, the 5,000 is not their game right now. And that's, that's fine. Yeah. They're going through a rough era, but you know, still pretty good at the 15, still very good at the steeple. Uh, it's just, I don't know. They just got a hole in their game right now. You know, they just, they, I think they, they should, they should, not, uh, not their thing. Move chariot up to mm. the 5k. Yeah. That's typically what you want to do. It's like, Hey man, you've been dominating the 1500. Let's move you up in distance. Spread out, it's spread out the wealth. Just, just friggin', just don't run. Why run three and a half minutes when you can run 13? It's just, that makes like, you, we want you to add ten minutes to this. This is we're, we're, we we love seeing your forward leaning game so much that uh, no, I'm just messing around. Um, they're not going to do that. Uh, Five thousand. I mean, first off, I mean, let's think about it. Like it's 
it was kind of more of a high-profile event when Mo Farah was there. But without Farah, it's kind of like, who cares who wins the 5,000 in some some extent, right? I mean, the the big goal when Farah was on his run was like, who's going to be the guy to take down Farah? And it and it finally was our, our back-to-back uh, world champion, who I can't ever think of his name, but somebody will remind me. The guy who just, just won... Uh, Mukhtar Idris. There we go. <clears throat> Names are coming to me, but they're coming late today. Idris finally beat him, and then the five thousand was kind of like, oh, okay. So Farah's not the king anymore. It's 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 not that big of a deal, right? I mean, obviously, people still want to win medals, but it's not the high profile event. It's not the eight. It's not the fifteen. And I mean, it never was. But when you're done with an all time greats era, it really loses a lot of its luster. Idris has won back-to-back world titles <clears throat> no one's talking about him as being an all-time great the the guy could change that obviously he just broke the world record and some can bring some 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 uh shine back to this event but i think what you're seeing some of the departure for the kenyans is who cares about the 5000 right now the 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 star power is in other events let's let's not let's not worry about it you ready you ready for this one can hear me out yeah yeah, Edward Cheserek has a better shot at making the Olympics in the 5K as a Kenyan than as an American. Uh, I mean, look at the list, man. There's he only does, one good. But is he, I don't think there's he's, only is one he good actually... Kenyan out there, and it's Nicholas Camelli, who's like a 12:50 guy. But the rest of them are all just as good as Ches. Yeah, I mean, he's got a still would have to go compete in their trials and you know be fully committed to competing but no that's a fair fair argument right now when you talk about Lamong and you talk about Chalimo those guys are better than anything Ken- Kenya has right now and if another guy steps up if I don't know who else were you know if Eric Jenkins gets back on the level he is I mean he's just as good and then there's other guys that I'm uh up Woody Kincaid absolutely you're you're correct we just have seen that there is a reluctance from Chesarek to compete for Kenya because he wants to be an American so bad. So, uh, but you're you're 100 right as far as the numbers go. Yes, he he would have an easier time making that, and maybe he gets I don't want to say desperate, but he, you know he really wants to compete at an international championship, and he finally bows to the pressure of not the pressure, but the 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 fact that it's become so hard for him to to get citizenship in the U.S. that he says I'm going to compete for Kenya, and and as a bonus, it's easier to make the team than it actually is in the United States. Which I don't think anyone thought that would ever be a reality when we talk about the five thousand. Here's a thought: if he does choose to compete for Kenya, imagine Cheserek running in Eugene, twenty twenty three. Representing the Kenyan jersey in a in a U.S. final, twenty twenty two, but yeah, yeah. oh twenty twenty two. Sorry, you're good. What, you're good. How do you think the you like? Do you think the Oregon fans are going to like? Oh yeah, like if it's coming down between him and Cholimo in the in the home stretch, it'll be loud. I it's know gonna that. Be loud, I, but I, like Cholimo wins. What's the decibel level versus Ches winning? Oh, that's a good question. Um. Mm. I, I could almost believe, not because anyone has any ill will against Chalimo, but it, I believe it could be louder for Cesarek simply because they, they remember him at Oregon and love cheering for him. So, you know, you're talking about a home crowd on the campus of Oregon. Yeah, I think it could be louder for, for Cesarek. Um, that'd be a cool, a cool thing 
who knows where we'll be by then. Chesarek maybe have been an American for two years by, or you know, for a year and a half by then. So we don't really know. But yeah, a situation like that would be unique because you would think, oh, that an American crowd's going to cheer for an American. But Chesarek was such a such a big name for, at Oregon and won so so much. And Oregon loved the Oregon crowd loves to cheer for their Ducks past president. Uh, I, I could see it being louder for Chesarek, to be honest. All right, I'll let you get back to talking about what you want to talk about as I did a Cesarek deep mm, dive side. Yeah, taken yeah. from a race that he wasn't even in. And I found a way to make it about mm-hmm. Cesarek yeah. in, in He's Eugene got a hold on you. in 2022. Yeah, I was, I was just saying, I mean, the men's 5,000 is going to be clogged around those guys who have run the, in the 1240s. I mean, Mohamed's going to be fighting for uh, obviously a medal again, but definitely... I, when you go back to March of 2019, I would not have said that the two guys who went one, two at the world cross country championships are, are going to be potential, uh, gold and silver medalists at the, at the next Olympics in the 5,000. That's crazy how things have turned, but Kip Limo had a big breakout yesterday going from a guy who came in with like a, uh, a 13, 13 best. Now, granted that's from 2017 and he was literally like 16 years old. <laughs> Uh, but to now having a 1248 best and, and maybe even bigger than that is is beating Borrega, who is, again, like I said, the silver medalist. So it, it, we're coming to a possibility where we've got two guys from Uganda as the top two in the world, and it just it further emphasizes the rise of, of Uganda as a distance-running powerhouse. They're never going to have the numbers of Kenyan or, Kenya or Ethiopia, but uh, this is the era for Uganda. It's going to be fun to watch. And Kiplimo and, and Cheptegei, good, good results for them in the 5K. Uh, I'm just going to be so interested to see how that race plays out in Tokyo when you talk about a guy who's run 12.35 and then he's never been in the distance on an international level. He's coming up against you know the Idrises, the Baregas, Chelimos, guys who have been there before. How is that race going to play out? Is it going to be uh, from the gun? You would think it's not. That's not really how the five thousand works. It'll probably be a high twelve minute race, twelve fifty something, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see if Uganda can can uh, continue their their run of well just their run of running really well and if if chep the guy's as big of a favorite as as everyone thinks he is this event has gone from a a good but not great event i mean certainly not great based on what i was talking about a minute ago with no fair it's lost its luster this is an event that was kind of middling and now it's like it's a it's 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 returning to to some of its to some of its past glory, and maybe my point being, maybe with the Kenyans, maybe they need to start putting more resources back in this five thousand. This is uh, this is beginning to be a, a premier event again. How? I, it's weird. The five K is a weird event where you can break the world record, but because of the way championship five Ks are run, having the best PR means shit. Like Typically, it doesn't mean. I mean, twelve thirty five is a little different. Twelve thirty five is. It, though? He's never gonna. Ha- he's never gonna try to run a twelve thirty five in a championship race. Yeah, he could no, run twelve right. fifteen. Who cares? He's not gonna do that when it comes down to like well, around. Yeah, hold on. If you could run twelve fifteen, we're gonna see, right? If Chep the guy's demol, if he's honoring my bet in the ten k and he's running under twenty six ten. There's, there is a point, I think, where he's so much better than the rest of the field that 
he'll just go out and at 12:45 it could be tactical for him and there's like three guys total who could hang if it's 12:45 pace and he's just cruising along like well this is 10 seconds off my best i mean i'll, I'll just do this and you know see if you can hang with me um and slowly ratchet it down like you can i i, I think there's there is a point where you can transcend the typical nature of a championship race where you can be so much better. Yeah, no, he's not going to have it like Mo Farah. It's, it can't be a 1340 race. That's not Chef Guy's best way of going. So I think it's going to be a little bit more honest. And if he's running if he's running in the mid-1240s, which is, a, you know, air quotes, tactical race for him, there's only going to be a couple guys you can hang. So that that's how he'll thin the field. I, th- I think there is a point where you're so much better PR-wise where it is it does um, – go past the typical thing where it's like, oh, it's a toss-up no matter how much, how fast your PR is because this is championship racing. It's not automatic. It's going to be slow, slow. I mean, we look at last year, Chep, the guy wasn't there, but it was a, I think it was like a 1258 race. And so, you know, the whole field can't run 1258, particularly when you're running sub four in the last mile. Um, if it's a little different than that and he tries to make it honest from the gun, and but not honest but not PR pace, then there's only going to be a couple guys that can hang with him. And his his countryman, Kiplimo, showed that he could maybe be one of them by, by running 1248 and out-sprinting and out Borrega. Uh, so, it, it's going to be interesting. And you can't also you can't eliminate the possibility of team tactics. Uganda, working together with two dudes next year, they, uh, they could take it to Team Ethiopia. It, it's going to be fun to watch, right? It's going to be really, really entertaining. And, and will the Americans... Lamong and Chalimo, will they have to freaking, they'll have to uh, make amends and be buddies and try to work together as, as American teammates. Maybe it's going to be just all countries to, the, to, to themselves, everybody working together. We've got the Norwegian, the Ingebrigtsens working together. We've got Kenya and whoever they're, they're bringing that's substandard. And then the Ethiopians who went 1-2 last year. Uh, in Canada, Mohamed and uh, Justin Trudeau working together. It's gonna be it's gonna be wild, right? It's gonna be it's gonna be the it's gonna be a world war in the that's not an appropriate term. It's gonna be uh, you know a bunch of countries, a bunch of duos from the same country working together. It's gonna be interesting. So hear me out. So if it's a thirteen twenty race, is Chef the guy to favor? Just hear me out. I'm, I'm doing a little mental exercise. If it's a thirteen twenty race, is Chef the guy to favor? No. No, probably not. All right, if it's a thirteen ten race, no, probably not. If it's a thirteen flat race, yeah, I would say so. I don't know why he's the not the favorite. Seconds. If it's a thirteen flat race, you don't think so? There's gonna the entire field is gonna be thirteen flat or well, better PRs. I mean, that's what you say. Yeah, um, if it's a thirteen yeah, flat race, that's why I don't gonna think be, uh, it, it will like, be. It won't be that though. He's not going to okay. allow it. He if won't allow 12, it to be like that. If it's that a would 12, be dumb. I think we learned. Bekele learned now the 2004 Olympics. When you let a miler like he's from Algarouge, and it, and you you allow it to be a dawdling pace, you're going to lose. And so he was the the, the five thousand meter world record holder at that point. Now Chep, the guy's in that position. He says. I saw the air, my, the guy I just surpassed lose a gold medal after breaking the world record in the 5,000. He's showing me the roadmap of what not to do, so I'm going to follow that. Yeah. I'm going to try to run in the 1240s. There's going to be three or four guys who can go at that point. Two of them are going to burn out, and I'm going to have to contend with one guy having a career day 
Uh, and all I have to do is feel good 10 to 15 seconds off my PB, and I'm going to win gold. Easier said than done, but that's his path. That's that's how he wins gold in the 5,000. It's not by rolling the dice and hoping, oh, I hope I ha- can close in 52. No, no, that's not his game at all. Don't do that. Try, to, try to run a little bit off his PB, and, and he can still win. So then we're in agreement that 13 flat pace, he's not the favorite. I think 12.55 pace, he's not the favorite. I think – so you're saying it has to be sub 12.50 pace for him to be the favorite. But no, here's my no, thing. No, no, I, I thought he was the favorite at – I thought he was the favorite at 13 flat. Well, I, just I disagree think with that. What's the chance – if you're trying to increase your odds to their absolute, their maximum level without risk of blowing up. I mean, you know, he doesn't want to try to go run a world record in the, in the 5,000 final just at the risk of blowing up. But just run a little bit off that. But I still think at thirteen flat, he's he's the favorite. I mean, we he won the the Diamond League final last year at thirteen flat or so. So it's not like he can't win that way. It's just what's his highest chances. Uh, I don't think he's the favorite at thirteen ten and above. I think it's the guys who have won before who would be. But but when you get faster than when you get down to thirteen minutes and everything below, he's the favorite. I just think what's your best chance to win? Run in twelve forties. That that's well, here's his the best thing. chance. I just don't think he is going to run in the 1240s. Mm. And I also think it's easier said than done. Just because your PR is 1235, it doesn't make 1240 easy. Mm-hmm. Because the 1235 was only happened because of like perfect pacing. You saw this guy. He was a metronome. It wasn't like saving it for a big kick at the end. He was like equal splits the entire time. And that's just not going to happen in a race where there's people there's no wave light technology there's no pacers for the first 3k like there's just all these controls that are just taken away from you yeah where like yeah yeah there's a big like i think we don't see a lot of low 1240 races because the only way to get in that world is having perfect pacing and form like this like the same reason why you you don't have the the only reason we had a sub two marathon is because we literally created a computer to like perfectly pace Kipchoge with wave light technology and perfect pacers. Like and sure. we knew it was possible, but like no one is ever gonna set that up for someone, right? And so mm. they set it up for for Chapter Guy to run his twelve thirty five to show that his body can do it when given perfect conditions. But I feel like what you can do in the best conditions, I don't think, oh, just take 10 seconds away from that and it's an easy run. Like, I think, <laughs> I, I think, I think he could, I think it could be harder for him to run a 12.45. I feel, I think it's harder for him to run 12.45 in a championship race than it is for him to run 12.35 in a time trial. That's debatable. Yeah, you, that's a good point. I mean, it could be. Uh, he did say the wave technology didn't really help him that much. That was more for the fans. But may, maybe. Yeah, you, you could be right. Certainly possible. I mean, I just think that's a mental thing, though. Uh, I think it's certainly a, a something. But, yeah, it's easier said than it, – it, it's it's certainly something he's physically capable of. But mentally, it's tough to go out there and run in the 1240s by yourself. Um We'll see. We'll see what he does. Um, but I don't think just saying I'm going to wait around and see what how the race unfolds is going to be his best plan. He's going to want to take control. That was kind of the thing with Mo Farah. He, he didn't have to worry about it. He knew everyone was going to be scared of him. 
and uh, they were gonna. It was gonna be a tactical race. That may not be the same thing with Cheptegei, knowing that he doesn't have that that you know a kick is something in his game that hasn't been confirmed yet. I, I although he did you know he did win in a kick in the ten thousand last summer. Uh, I think it's he'll, he'll be willing to take it on on his own and try to run fast. Just just in the sense that that's his PR is so much better and and. Uh, Here's it's worth it. It's worth it to him to to try to to, to work a little extra hard, um, to eliminate a lot of people for for him to have to have to compete against in the last lap. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. Imagine Cheptegei was born uh, five years earlier, meaning he is running this world record in 2015 right because mm-hmm. he's and mm-hmm. it's, he's just on the same timeline but five years earlier okay so he goes into the 2016 olympics as the world record holder do you think chapter guy would be able to beat mo Farah? yeah yeah i mean he got beaten why 2017. did anyone what, maybe it's, maybe maybe go to 2012, maybe bigger bigger prime mo. But my okay. thing is, why didn't it, if we're saying like check the guy's best chance is just to go out and like thin the field and you're the world record holder, you will win, right? Mm-hmm. Why didn't anyone try doing that against Mo? It's the this the question as old as time. I I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's just hard to want to take it on, on your, on yourself and you trust, everyone trusts their kick. It was, it's the classic, is the classic, uh, recipe. Everyone wanted to be the guy to outkick him. And it's also just hard to take a championship race and take it on to yourself. I don't know, man. Which is what you're saying. We, we try to answer say- these questions for, for many, many a year. And it, it, we never got the, what it felt like a satisfactory answer. So um, you just basically you just proved my point though about Chapter Guy. You just said no, uh, it's hard to do it, man. But there's not a, the here. difference is there's not a Mofera in the field. There's not there's not a guy that that you're really intimidated by. He's the man. That's the difference. The guy with the fast PR is the man. Mofera wasn't was the man. He didn't have a fast PR. It's a, it's a different. It's a little bit different. Okay. Wow. Rest my case. See that. Drury is why you should vote not guilty. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's see. We're at 54 minutes. I don't know if I really have any other. Oh, I want to say. Any other Any other I, thing. Okay. You have something? I wish Jacob Ingebrigtsen was born in August or at least July mm-hmm. of, 20, of 2000 because therefore whatever year we're in. We know how old he is mm-hmm. at the at the national. So, like when it's the twenty twenty four Olympics in August, we know that Ingebrigtsen is twenty four because he was born in two thousand. But right. he's not going to be twenty four. He's always going to be a year younger because he turns twenty four in September of that year. So yeah. that's why I'm upset. Wow, he's a millennium that's baby. A very specific he's born. He's basically thing. his parents were like, "Let's have a kid." when the in the year 2000 like they were do you think they were worried about y2k so they had a baby just in case 
Y2K wow. hit. Wow. This is he's born definitely nine months the later. last couple minutes of this podcast. You think a it was a, a Y2K, Y2K boom? Uh, I have no idea, Gordon. That's a, that's a great question to ask him the next time anyone's any one of us sees him in person. And were you a product of Y2K panic? Um, <laughs> September 19th, 2000. So, yeah, he's got 10 days left in his teens. You're right. Uh, enjoy it, Mr. Ingebrigtsen. And we'll see you on the other side of 20. Uh, Gordon has a conspiracy theory to discuss with you. So just be prepared <laughs> for that. Uh, for myself, Lincoln Strike, he's Gordon Mack. This is the Flow Track Podcast. You can email us at flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. We'll talk to you tomorrow.